Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you will hear an uplifting message. Our hope is that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. What's going on, Social Dallas? It is week two of Social Take Three, and what an honor it is to be here. Let me just encourage you. I am praying for a miracle building for Social Dallas. Come on, anybody believe with me for a building? Come on, put it in the chat. I'm believing for a building. I believe that's going to happen. I just believe that this is one of the most incredible churches. I know you're young, but I do believe you are stirring something, a great faith that is so necessary in this day and age. And let me just tell you, it is led by some of the greatest pastors on the planet. Uh, They are great friends, some of the best communicators, Pastor Robert and Taylor Madu. I am so honored to know you, to be around you, because anybody that is around them, you are better better because of their presence. And let me just tell you, the kingdom of God is better because of Robert and Taylor Medusa. Social Dallas, you need to lean into your leadership. You need to understand the level that you have around you. Don't take it for granted. Honor the gift of God on their life. They need leaders. They need people that are going to come and hold up their arms. I understand being a church planner as well. So gather around and watch what God is doing right here in Dallas. But this is also out to the social global family. So shout out to everybody watching. And I am excited but I, I, I'm, I'm just excited to be here today. I got a word for you, and I believe it's going to change your life. You don't know me. We're introducing our, ourselves to you right now. My name is Micah Berteau. So good to meet you officially. Uh, and I'm just excited because I get to be a part of what God is doing, even if it is across the camera right now. Because how many know God can use any means and any method to get his word across? So I'll take it. And I got a bit of a studio here that's going to shout me down a little bit. But I want you to shout me down wherever you are right now. If you're at your work, scare your coworker next to you. Wherever you're at, give God praise for what he's about to do. And uh, we have a church called The House. We have multiple locations. We planted here in Fort Worth about four years ago. We have a location over in Modesto, California as well. Come on, how many know it's only God that you can have a location in California in Texas. And God's still moving. So pray for us. The church is called The House. And I I haven't really gotten to uh, know you, but I want you to see my beautiful family. So here's a picture of my family. My wife is born and raised in Shreveport, Louisiana. I had to go find myself a Cajun crawfish. I had to find a girl that, that had an accent. I don't know what it was, and so I found this beautiful girl in Louisiana, and I married her, and so we had three kids, Beckham, Braylon, and Bear, three of the whitest names you'll ever hear, and we out here, and we love God, and we love what he's doing, so hey, engage, but how many are ready to receive a word that might just change your life? Is anybody ready? Come on. Let's go, social. Let's go to John 16, 7. It is a scripture that I have personally wrestled with at times because of the nature of the narrative. And I want to look at John 16, 7 right now. Let's read this together. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. The reason that I wrestled with this scripture a little bit is because if I had Jesus walking with me, around me, and I watched him do miracles, 
I watched blind eyes open, lame people. If I, if I saw that, I wouldn't want Jesus to go anywhere. I'd want him to stick close. I, I, I'd want to walk with him. I'd want to follow him. I'd be nervous when he told me he's going to leave. But in fact, he said, it's going to be better that I go. Almost becoming an oxymoron for us because I'm like, I thought it was better when I stayed with you, but you're telling me it's better that you leave. And there's a reason for it, though. He said it's, it's an advantage to you for me leaving because I'm going to send someone called a helper. We know the helper as the Holy Spirit. He has a name. It's not a persona. It's not a vibe. It's a spirit. It's the spirit of God in the earth. And we have to understand that this is powerful. It's an advantage for your life to have the spirit working in your life. And so just real quick, I don't know if you're living with a disadvantage, if you believed your disadvantage, if the devil's told you you're at a disadvantage, if you feel you were born into a disadvantage, and now your whole life is living at a deficit and a deficit. If that's for you, I have a message for you today. You have the advantage called the Spirit of God to tap into right now. So I'm going to preach for the next few moments on this thought. I have the advantage. I have the advantage. Come on, someone just type it in the chat real quick. I have the advantage. I have the advantage. And let's just pray one more time. God, we thank you for what you're doing. Whoever this word is going out to right now, we stop and we just pray. It'll be transforming. God, it'll be a moment where your presence fills this space and place that we are receiving this word. And God, it'll change everything about us. I thank you for this church, and I just pray continuous miracles, open doors, and breakthrough. And I thank you that today, God, we will realize we have the ultimate advantage in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen. Everybody typed amen. Amen. I look at the Spirit of God. I look at the Spirit of God like this, like a cheat code. It's like a cheat code to life. I don't know about you, but I grew up playing video games. I did not play a Fortnite or the, the games that are today. But I played old school games. NBA Jam. Oh, I, I, love, I loved playing NBA Jam, but there was something about NBA Jam. I was so good at it. And it's not because of me being good at it. I knew the cheat code to it. I, I, I memorized it. I memorized it. You press B seven times. You hold up. B and Y right before tip-off. And then right when the, the guy touches the ball, on fire. And you have on fire mode, which means this, you can't miss no matter the defense. You're Steph Curry from the other side of the court. It can't, it's amazing. And you're dunking on people and you're happy about it. You don't lose when you have on fire mode. I, I feel like sometimes I wish right before tip-off every single morning I could do a cheat code on every Christian. And say, you need on fire mode. I need to press B on you seven times. I need to hold up Y and B because you forgot who you are. When you woke up, you forgot what's in you. You forgot what's on you. You forgot that you were anointed. You forgot you had the spirit of God with you. You forgot you had the keys. You forgot you had authority. You forgot you had everything you needed in your hands. You... You didn't realize this, so I, I, I pray that this catches you in a way where now you're going to be encouraged to live out the full call of God on your life, whether you're at a disadvantage or not, but this is your cheat code. The Spirit of God is your cheat code. It's a cheat code. Zechariah 4, 6. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord, this is Zerubbabel, not by might or by power, but by 
my spirit, says the Lord. He's basically saying he had it in a vision. He got a word from God in a vision. And at the time, he was building a temple and had some opposition. So he gets a word. And he's processing it. And he wakes up and he's like, wait, wait, did the Holy Spirit of God really just tell me? It's not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. What he realized is that God told him this. You can't do it by yourself. You need me. I am not a complement to your life. I am not an additive to your life. I, I, I'm not riding in the passenger seat of your car. I am the great I am that is existent with you wherever you're at. It is not by any other means or method that you can live, but by the spirit of God. This is your advantage. And let me just tell you, as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, some people are going to have some preconceived notions and thoughts about when you even say the word Holy Spirit. So let me just encourage you in, in one thing, that the Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to get standoffish and weird about it. It's the Spirit of God that is in the earth today that when Jesus went up, he gave us a spirit that we could all tap into. So don't make it weird. It just means you're wired. That's all this means. Now I'm wired to something that is greater and bigger and stronger than me. The Holy Spirit is actually called your advocate, your helper, your friend. You know in other words for advocate? It's defender, champion, backer, promoter. So when you don't feel like a champion, you already have a champion with you. It's stepping with you every... When you don't feel like you have a defender that's in the comment section with you, get out of the comment section, get in your prayer life and realize, I have a defender. Heaven backs me. Angels back me. I have an advocate. This is your ultimate. I, I remember my four-year-old was doing pull-ups uh, just recently. He can only do about four pull-ups. He's, he's strong, but he can only do about four. And I, I went underneath him as he was getting, he was struggling. He was straining. I went under him. I grabbed his feet, and I began to help him. He only did four on his own. He did another 15 as I was helping him. He did nothing. I did the rest of him. But what was so funny is that when he got down, he landed on his feet and he said, Daddy, look how strong I am. And I said, you did nothing. <laughs> but it's amazing to me that he feels that he has so much strength not understanding that it was not by his might, nor by his power, but it was by a helper, but an advocate. He could only do four on his own, but he could do an unlimited amount with help that was stronger than him. I wonder if you're trying to do it on your own, only getting to the end of yourself. I want to help somebody today and let you realize you could do more with the Spirit, exceedingly and abundantly above with the Spirit. He'll break open your box. He'll break down your compromise so you can live an unlimited, full access life. It's a cheat code. Cheat code. Holy Spirit's a cheat code. He's an advantage. Ruach means breath, spirit. It's a Hebrew word. It means a force to sustain life. A force to sustain your life. That's the breath of God. So I'm going to give you two quick advantages that the Holy Spirit brings. The first one, you will love this one. The first advantage the Holy Spirit brings to your life, maturity. Y'all didn't see that coming. 
Yeah, y'all thought it was gonna be, no, maturity. And, and look, 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 I understand. Like, we don't preach much about maturity because Christians and maturity, these days might not go hand in hand. I'm a Christian, but it's like, cool, are you growing? Are you developing? Are you moving forward? Are you living a life worthy of your calling? First one is maturity. I want to read this in Galatians 5. You know Galatians 5, 22. Fruits of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Amazing. But the summation of all of that should be maturity. Because if you're really living in the fruits of the Spirit, you're living differently than before you had the Holy Spirit. Before you had the Holy Spirit, you were edgy. You were going to cut somebody. You would cut somebody out. You know, you would give somebody the finger and it wasn't the thumb. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't the thumbs up. But we got to a place where when Christ came over us and we became a new creation, there was a development process you agreed to. You signed the contract that you would not stay the same. That Christ saved you just as you are, but he won't keep you just as you are. You have to grow. And maturity, let's just talk about this for a second. Maturity is not a moment, it's a character. Because in these days, we always want, we all want to get to a destination. We always, we want to get to a place. We're pushing for a platform, a stage, a microphone, influence, a promotion, money, income. We're pushing for something. But what if I told you that the Bible and the word of God more lines up with us becoming someone than getting somewhere? So in a world where everybody's trying to get somewhere, when we start to read the word of God and hear the Holy Spirit, he's trying to produce a character in our life. Because I've realized if I become the right person, I'll end up in the right place. But I can actually get to the right place and be the wrong person and lose the right thing. Because I did not have the integrity or character to keep where God brought me. So I need to let God mature some of these areas in my life. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke, thought, and reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, well, when is when? When I grew up. Was it 16? You know, like, I love that the Bible did not tag an age on it. It just said when. That's why I know 12-year-olds that are grown up, and I also know some 45-year-olds that aren't. Because in the kingdom of God, age is nothing but a number. It comes to a place of those that walk in the spirit of God, start to hear from God on what they need to do, what they need to cut out, things they need to remove, but what they have to be replaced with. Give me, give me a new mind, God. Give me a new perspective. And in the day and age we live in right now, may we learn to be mature in this way, to put away what we need to put away. There are forms of maturity. Let's just break this down even further. The first form of maturity, to make this so clear, the first form of maturity that'll happen in your life when you start to walk in this cheat code advantage called the Holy Spirit, this form is called honor. Honor is now produced through your life. Oh my goodness, do we need honor to take a hold of our lives in this season of life. An honorable life. And the Bible is very clear. Honor one another above yourself. The Bible is very clear that when you honor God, he will honor you. Honor God with your bodies. It's all over the Bible. But a lot of us might be maturing in other ways, but forgetting this so significant point of honor. That, 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 that honor, no, let me just give you a 
two quick thoughts on because you got to know honor is not a compliment. It's not a hey, I like you. And like, like in, in DFW, you know, like the Metroplex, maybe, you know, even if you live in a Bible belt, you know, you understand, like, we're really good at being complimentary to your face and then, you know, doing some other stuff beyond your back, you know. We're, we're almost okay with that. But honor says break that stuff down. That's not how you are so, supposed to live, and that's not how you're called to treat people. Honor is a value, and it's a fixed value that you place on people. It's a weightiness of worth. It's a weight of worth. So you live with this thought of honor. Let me just give you two quick thoughts on honor. You give honor where you perceive value. You give honor where you perceive value. So if you don't perceive value in that or them, you will walk in a way where you will dishonor them. Maybe not even knowing. It'll be second nature, but you'll dishonor them. So now here, let me get this a little bit. I remember when I was 16. When I was 16, I got, finally got my license. It was my birthday. I was turning 16. So I was begging my dad, dad, would you get me a car? All I want is a vehicle. I'm a terrible driver, but give me a vehicle. I want a car. And so I remember ripping through all of my presents on that day for my birthday. And I got to the last present. It was the bag, had the little fluff sign. I'm like, man, this is it. There's going to be keys at the bottom of this bag. I am so thrilled to open this up. I am so excited. I don't see the car outside, but I, I do believe, I, I had faith <laughs> that there were keys in this bag. And so I rip open the bag and I pull out a Bible. Now, some of y'all are like, mm, yeah, amen. Your boy wasn't happy. I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in church. I had about 27 Bibles at the time. I had all the specialty Bibles, too. I had, the, I had the picture Bible. I had every young man's Bible. I had every young woman's Bible. I had them all. <laughs> Revelation from every corner. I had it. So when I pull out a Bible, forgive me, I wasn't excited. It was also the biggest present that I got that day. So I looked at my dad, and this was the exact Bible. It was torn up and taped together. And I'm like, you clearly don't love me. <laughs> According to how this Bible looks. You couldn't even buy me a new one, you know. And so I remember he's, my, my dad clearly sees the disappointment on my face. And he said, son, you don't understand. Look inside of it. And I looked inside. There's a card from him. And it's really sweet. And I'm like, no, dad, thank you. But I wanted a car. Remember, my dad's, my dad's a pastor. I said, dad, I wanted a car. He said, yeah, son, I know you wanted a car. But a Bible, that'll drive your life. I said, shut up. Shut up. Stupid. So dumb. My God, don't even say amen to that. Don't even type amen to that. <laughs> and so I, I, I click back in. He's like, no, son, you need to open it where the tab is at. And I was like, okay. Now, as I began to open it, um, they named me Micah from the book of Micah in the Bible. And so I opened to the book of Micah. And I was like, no, I knew that there was a book of Micah. He's like, no, did you see what's in it? And I was staring. I was like, no, that's not. There's no way. He said, yes, son, when you were born, put your feet in ink, and I placed it in the book that we named you after, and in the book of Micah are my baby footprints. Here's what's crazy about it. It went from useless to invaluable. Because I was perceiving it 
as a torn up book that I already have a lot of on my bookshelf. I didn't perceive the value of it because I only saw the surface of it. I only looked at the places it was missing. I looked at the tape that it had on it, that it was barely hanging together. Don't we do this a lot to people where we only look at it cover deep, surface deep, and we will actually judge people according to what they're missing, not what they have? But what I want to tell you is, it's not what this book has or doesn't have that makes it valuable. It's what it's been marked, marked with that makes it valuable. This book has been marked with something that is irreplaceable. So does every single person that you meet. They have a mark from God. They have the breath of the Almighty in them. And may we start honoring people according to God's mark on their life. We got to honor them. Even if you don't like... How they look, talk, believe, doesn't matter. They don't need to line up with you. They deserve your honor because of who made them is the same person that made you. Which leads me to my second point of honor is that honor is what you decide, not what they deserve. It's what you decide, not what they deserve. And when maturity of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will start to live in this place where you are not a controller of honor. You're a dispenser of honor. You give honor. Our maturity in the form of wisdom. Because God doesn't want you to live dumb. you got to have some wisdom. Let me read this in Job 32, 6 through 8. Elihu, son of Barakel the Buzite, said, I am young and you are old, so I held back from telling you what I think. I thought those who are older should speak, for wisdom comes with age. But there is a spirit within people. The breath of the Almighty within them that makes them intelligent. How incredible is it that this scripture is laying it out for us, that what makes people intelligent in the spiritual kingdom realm is not anything more than how much Holy Spirit you have in your world. He's saying, and another word for intelligent is to give understanding, have discernment. So if we want wisdom, it's not found in books, we, we, we can find information on Google, but we find revelation through the word. And, and I, we live in an information age right now where we're inundated with information, but we need more revelation of the holy, revelation of the God man that is Jesus Christ, revelation of the spirit working in us. So let me just say it plainly. You don't need a GED. You need a G-O-D. Hey! So dumb. It's so dumb. Let me just encourage you that you don't need a fancy resume. You need a spiritual resurrection. You don't need qualifications. You need a king. You don't need a date. You need discernment. You don't need to post. You need to pray. You don't need to gossip. You need to forgive. You don't need a new job. You need a new perspective. You don't need a new church. You need consistency. My God, you don't need a new spouse. You need a new you. So what you have to understand is that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and starts to work in you, it'll change you from the inside out. And you will realize I'm walking in a way. I don't understand where God's taking me, but I trust the one that has taken me where I don't even know where we're going. So I yield my life and I give my life away. And I follow. My kids were fighting 
a really dumb fight the other day. They were yelling in the other room. So I walk in and I'm a good parent, so I start yelling at them for yelling. <laughs> Parental advice, great, it works. Yell at your kids when they're yelling. Stop yelling, and they're yelling. And so they look, I'm like, what are you guys fighting over now? It's a little baby dinosaur called Stegosaurus. I said, give me that Stegosaurus. And I looked at both of them, I'm like, stop fighting. It's not worth it. I wanna grab the body of Christ today. I wanna grab your face today and say, hey, stop fighting. It's not worth it. Don't be petty. It's not worth it. Don't be critical. It's not worth it. Don't talk about them. It's not worth it. Don't send that text. It's not worth it. Don't get back with them. It's not worth it. Don't walk in this way of being so discouraged. It's not worth it when you have the advantage on your side. It's not worth feeling insecure and depressed and broken down when you have somebody with you in the room that doesn't just make you a conqueror. You're not barely a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. It's who you are. And the last form of maturity is obedience. Because this is all fun and games until the Holy Spirit tells you to do something you don't want to do. And we, and we were shouting, you, you typing stuff in on the chat, you're all excited. But at the end of the day, how do you know that you're following God? You know because you're not following yourself. Yeah. And a lot of times when the Holy Spirit speaks, it's going to completely contradict what you wanted and where you wanted to go and the desires that you had to like. And you have to submit your plans and your future and trust him, obey him. I know we all know Paul and Silas, and we know that Paul and Silas had their jail cell worship tape mix release, which I'm sure was an amazing night of worship. When every jail cell broke and singing hymns, every, and everybody was free because, and we, we preached the dog out of that sermon. And, and, and incredible, incredible. But what if I backed it up one chapter and told you that they were never really supposed to be there if it was on their will and their desires. Acts 16, 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. They believed that Asia was a home run. We're going to go to Asia. We're going to preach the gospel. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be unbelievable. The power of God's going to fall. But the Holy Spirit kept them and sent them to Philippi, where they would then be imprisoned. It is one of those moments where I'm sure they're feeling fired up, ready to go, let's preach the word of God in Asia. But the Holy Spirit urges them, no. Because I've understood that a lot of people want the Holy Spirit as protection. But what happens when the Holy Spirit becomes your restriction? Not when he just releases you all the time, but when he stops you from doing something you thought you were supposed to do. Date somebody you thought you were supposed to date. Go where you thought you were supposed to go. Work where you thought you were supposed to work. Move where you wanted to move. And he restricts you with no explanation. You know what's even crazier about it? The Holy Spirit restricted them from going to Asia, sent them towards Philippi only to be in prison. Because you would say, well, I, you know what, better case scenario, they should have gone to Asia. 
but let me look a little bit further because the maturity developing in us should tell us that prisons shouldn't define us or scare us. Because if they never go to prison, then they never have the Holy Spirit earth-shaking power hit the earth, shake every jail cell open. Then they stop the guard from committing suicide and lead them to Christ. Then they go and get the entire guard's family baptized. Now, generations later, we're preaching on the power of God of Paul and Silas. What would happen on the other side of your obedience? Might be a prison, but I'm telling you, it might be powerful. All right, I got to move. The second thing, I'm just a two-point. The second advantage, yes, maturity is going to develop in you, but the second one that's going to happen in your life as the Holy Spirit comes upon you is authority. You're going to have maturity, and you're going to have authority. Now, I've met a lot of people that will have authority and not maturity. We we, we got some immature, authoritative people. (laughs) Then we have the other side. We have people that are working on the fruits of the spirit and they're nice and they're kind, but they won't cast one bad spirit out of their world. We need both. We need the combination of both maturity and authority, especially right now. Matthew 16, 18 through 19 says, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Do you understand the authority that is already within your grasp right now? That you don't have to fight for it. You don't have to earn it. You just walk in it. You have these keys. I remember not long ago, I, I lost the keys to my house, and I was at the front door. I was trying to get in, and I called my wife. I was like, Lindsay, this is your fault. I lost my key. Would you come? And would you bail me out? Would you bail me out? Would you come and lock the door? And she's like, I'm about an hour out. I'm like, hurry up. And so she finally gets to the house and she comes to the front door and she's unlocking it. She's like, you didn't check your pockets? I'm like, you didn't check your pocket? That's the first place I checked. Of course I checked my pocket. And so as she's unlocking the door, I remember that jeans nowadays have like these mini pockets within the big pockets. You know, they, it's like a mini secret pocket. Like, and it's a pocket I didn't really check. I don't really use it often. So it's like not one of those things. I, I usually do the pat down situation that they do at airports. You know, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't have a key on me. But it was found, I found it in the mini pocket as she was unlocking the door. And so I didn't tell her. I let her unlock the door. We actually went in and I like slipped it on a table and I said, look. It was there the whole time. But what if I told you a lot of believers live in such a way where you're waiting on somebody else to unlock a door that you already had keys for? If you would have just checked yourself, if you would have just looked within yourself, you would have realized you had the authority already. You don't need a prophetic word from somebody else. You don't need anybody else to lay hands on you. You don't need anybody else to open doors for you. You have the Holy Spirit of God, knows your name, knows who you are, knows where you're going. He's going to come upon you. Come on, somebody help me praise God because you have authority. You have the keys. You have the keys. Ah, the Holy Spirit in me produces fruit, but the Holy Spirit on me produces authority. So I want to look at these last few verses. Luke is the most chronologically accurate book in the Gospels. 
Now I want to go to Luke 4, 1, Luke 4, 14, and Luke 4, 33. We know a little bit of the narrative, so I'm not going to read much. It's when Jesus is going into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He was full of the Spirit. First off, if Jesus needs the Holy Spirit, what are you thinking? <laughs> oh my goodness. Do we need the Spirit of God, the breath of God, the Ruach to be with us? Full of the Spirit, look at this. Full of the Spirit was led by the Spirit. Just, just an observation. Whatever you are full of, you will be led by. So if you don't like where you're at or where you're ending up, it has nothing to do with surroundings. It has everything to do with the infilling of what you've allowed in you. You will be led by, I used to grow up with my dad, old Southern, old Southern dad. He said, you're full of it. You're full of it. I just want to ask you today, what are you full of? Because you're full of something. Everybody's full of something. And whatever you're full of, you'll be led by. So then it jumps to Luke 4.14 is the exit of the wilderness. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Something switched. He walked in filled with it. He walked out in the power of it. You can't have authority without a wilderness. There is no power that comes upon you without you getting through a wilderness. So stop trying to pray away desert places, dry moments, rainstorms, chaos, Stand firm in the middle of it and realize that God is producing an authority in me that I could not get without this moment. I can't get it unless I go through it. I, I want that. And a lot of people are like, I want what's on their life, but will you go through what they've been through? And this is Jesus comes out in the power of it. So here's where it gets really fun. The devil doesn't like it. He's walking out in the power of the spirit now. And the devil puts, he's like, you know what? I'm gonna put my best spirit up against the Holy Spirit kind of an MMA octagon situation. As we get to Luke 4, verse 33, we now see a fight happen on which spirit is stronger. Look at this in Luke 4, 33. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits. And they come out. We saw a face-to-face -face fight of the Holy Spirit versus the impure spirit. So I don't know what kind of faith you have today. I don't know why you feel defeated right now. I don't know why you're living at a disadvantage because you don't need to take orders from an impure spirit any longer. You have a spirit that gives order to everything that is out of order, everything that is impure, everything that is coming against you because greater is he that's in me than what's in front of me. I will fight according to the spirit. I will see that God wants to do a work in my life and I have authority over anything that's trying to come and kill me. I remember at the end of 2019, my dad had a cardiac arrest. Kills people. I mean, maybe you've had an experience with it. It's devastating. 
And when I got the call that night, he was still on the ground in the church parking lot in Modesto, California, getting CPR. Heart stopped out of nowhere. And so they eventually get him to the hospital. I fly in overnight to California, and I see him. And by the time I get there, he's hooked up to every life support machine you could imagine, seven different life support machines. And you're looking at what once was your dad and now is a bit of a vegetable, just a body, just an earthly vessel. It's not moving, pumping his heart for him, breathing for him. And you're just sitting there like, man, I believe God and his power. And I've sat in services and I've been around it. I've seen miracles. I, I know he can do it. I just don't know Will he do it? As I'm looking there, I'm filled with doubt. But we began to pray anyways on that Tuesday morning because he had less than a 1% chance to even live. And so we were in the ICU, and we, get, we began to pray. And uh, we began to worship in his room too, sing a little bit and do whatever we could just to, just to bring the Spirit of God. By Tuesday or Wednesday, I started to get some reports from some nurses that you know, they weren't saved. They didn't know what we were doing. And they understood my dad's condition. And they started to make fun of us. They were like, what are they doing? Do they not know? He's basically dead. And we heard of doubt from some of the nurses that were tending to my dad. Some of the negativity, some criticisms. So when I found out, we began to ask who those nurses were. And we began to get them reassigned to different rooms because I don't need that spirit to exist where I'm believing for a miracle. Remember Jesus had to clear out the room for Jairus' daughter? He had to set the stage for a miracle. He had all authority, but he wanted to prepare the environment first. So we got everybody out and we began to do it anyways. Or no, 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 you have doubt? Then I just get somebody that's dumb. I don't care, get somebody else that just believes what we're doing. And we began to surround ourselves with the right spirit. And by Thursday, the head nurse pulled me aside. He's like, I haven't told you this all week. And I was like, what? And he said, every time you guys worship, your dad's vitals go up. I said, you, you're just telling me that now? You waited till Thursday? I brought in a drum set. I brought in a shofar. I brought in every band thing you could have. I mean, we packed it in 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We began to worship in his room because his vitals would respond to the spirit that was happening in the room. Let me just tell you, you have the authority to remove. You have the authority to bring down. And let me tell you on Sunday, just three days later, my dad opened his eyes and he came back to life. And let me just tell you, he's not struggling. He's going to make a full recovery because the authority of Christ and the spirit of God hit that place. And we, somebody needs to start believing that the authority of God is on you. It's in you. And God's going to move on your behalf. I don't know what you're believing for, but I want to tell you today you have the advantage. You have the upper hand. I don't know what the devil's been telling you. I don't know how broken down you've been, but there's about to be a breakthrough. There's about to be a, and God's going to do it if you won't quit now. Can you worship in the same room with authority when you're staring at something that's dead? Dead dreams, dead visions. 
dead intentions, when things die on you, you still have the authority because the Spirit of God brings that advantage to your life. Acts 1.8, and there will be power that comes upon you. And that's my prayer for you today. Walk out in the advantage. Move with the advantage. Make decisions, understanding you are already fully equipped. You are gifted and positioned, anointed and appointed, right where you're supposed to be, right in the season that you're in. And if you're believing for something, I want to stand here with you today and believe in faith that God is going to meet you right where you're at. He's going to grow us up in maturity, and then we're going to function in some authority. And every disadvantage and deficit that we have in our life is not going to define us anymore. We will be defined by the Spirit of God. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for many that are watching right now. I thank you, God, that you're going to start to develop, start to empower every single one of us to live a God-led, a Spirit-led life. I pray specifically right now for those who do feel like they're at a disadvantage. I thank you that, God, you're going to come into that space, living room, car, wherever it's at, and you're going to lift their head. And they're going to see where their help comes from. And you're going to show them that they still have the authority. That this season isn't permanent. It's temporary. Just passing through. So God, we ask you, do a work in our life. And I thank you, God, that the many that need salvation, that feel distant from you right now, God, I thank you that they're going to confess with their mouth and believe in their hearts that you are Lord and they will be saved by the powerful name of Jesus. And God, may we all see that we have the advantage that every day we wake up, we have a cheat code called the Holy Spirit. And from this day on, we promise to live with that advantage. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. I love you, Social Dallas. Go live with that advantage. We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.